Hi there, and thanks for joining us. We are out and about today at the Retail Excellence e-commerce conference, and the reason for that is that there's a huge amount of money being spent online at every hour of the day. 850 grand every hour by Irish consumers. But the reality is 60% of that actually goes abroad. So what can Irish companies do to get a bigger slice of the pie? And are they doing it? I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. First up, we speak with David Campbell, who is the e-commerce manager for Retail Excellence. David, we spoke on a previous podcast about how big a problem this was for Irish companies. Uh, You've got a lot of people at the conference here today. It's clear people want to do something about it. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's an absolutely fantastic turnout we have today. We have world-class speakers. We have... Um, retailers across all various different sectors and they do realise the opportunities there. As you mentioned, over $602 will be spent online across the EU for 2018 and it's about retailers getting online, getting a slice of the pie and using that to their own advantage. One of the things that is is clear is that as consumers we're changing, we, we expect different things from our retailers now and some retailers are adapting to that quicker than others. 100%, I think customer expectations they're constantly evolving and it's about the retailers getting on board with these latest trends and being proactive not waiting for something to happen so use the customer data that they have harness that and ultimately focus on their strengths customer service increased delivery and better product at the end of the day. One of the really interesting um, earlier sessions was with Kieran O'Brien of CompuB, who of course sponsored this podcast about how click and collect has become a very real thing and that you know co- companies really benefit from the idea of customers having a look and still coming into the store afterwards. It's not all Amazon and online. There's a real way of getting people to actually walk in through the front door. Efficiency is key. Kieran, to be fair to him, he's a world-class operator and Compubee, Lifestyle Sports, there's a host of great Irish retailers embracing online, using click and collect to their advantage. And it's about creating that positive customer experience, efficiency, having different outlets available to consumers and better customer service across. Well, we've a lot of people to talk to, so we'll crack on with it. But for now, David Campbell, e-commerce manager with Retail Excellence. Thanks for joining us. Super. Thanks, Amin Jonathan. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuB.com One of the things that's obvious here is that companies are using data in a very different way. And it's all to do with digital marketing and search engine optimization, which a lot of companies say is just not their thing. But it needs to be their thing. And my next speaker is going to tell me why. Alan Coleman is with Wolfgang Digital. Alan, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for joining us. What does Wolfgang Digital do? <laughs> Good question. So we're a, we're a performance digital marketing agency. So what that means is performance means we're obsessed with the result. Okay. Traditionally, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have seen Mad Men and it's all about the pitch. And what, what those what traditional advertising agencies do is they sell advertising. They sell the impression. What a performance marketing agency does is it sells a business result. So the first line in a report that a performance agency sends a client is, you spent €1,000, but your revenue off it was €4,000, and we're going to tell you the story of, of, of how that happened. Um, so what we do is we're a performance agency, and search and social um, creative and content are, are the four things we do more than anything now, else. Now, 10 years ago, this didn't exist. So this is all new, isn't it? I mean, how did you fall into it? Um, so good question. I went for a job in Google 10 years ago. 
And um, I, going through the process, I fell in love with it. I said, this is the best advertising the world has ever seen. You mean someone is searching for it. You're literally reading the mind. And when somebody wants something, you can put an ad in front of them and you only pay when they click it. This is genius. So I didn't get the job, um, but I don't take rejection well. So I said, feck I'm going to do it anyway. So I taught myself. And when I was learning it, I realized there's a lot of stuff I'm not very good at, Jonathan. But I found I had an aptitude for this because I'd misspent my childhood or my teenage years playing data-driven strategy games like championship manager, fantasy football. So straight away, I had an aptitude for it. Um, and then, yeah, I started working for people for free, got good results, and then uh, started winning clients off the back of that. I mean, it's a real sign that uh, maybe playing those computer games is actually not all that bad. So parents, if you're listening, don't, don't discourage your kids too much. But when you got into it then, what we have now is a whole lot of data that didn't exist before. And companies either aren't aware of it or just aren't using it properly. Why not? Yeah, so this is a great point. So I guess the traditional problem was, John Wanamaker famously said it a long, long time ago, I know half my advertising budget is wasted. I just don't know which half. Whereas the opposite is the problem now. We're drowning in data. There's a deluge of data and people are saying, how do we even make sense of all these numbers we have? So... The skill set whereby someone can digest lots and lots of data and come to an insight, you know, or some wisdom off the back of it um, is very, very valuable now. So, and, and I guess that the, the key thing for people to, to keep in mind is it's all about actions based on insights. Now, marketing is not about what Don Draper feels in the boardroom. It's about what your customer data is telling you, how they want to behave and interact with you. Tell me about the three S's. What are the three S's? Oh, yeah. So Brendan was just speaking about Amazon and he was speaking about search, social and shopping. And his notion um, or our notion on that is very much that if an advertising platform is dominating three of the three or even two of the three, they're doing very well. So if you look at Google, really strong search, um, not so good on social, um, but great on shopping. Um, so that's why it's so strong. If you look at Facebook, not so hot on search, but it's, it's, got, it's got some of the others. But Amazon has come in and it dominates all three. So that's why they're a really exciting prospect for retailers going forward. What are companies not doing now that they need to do? So we had a room full, uh, we're just after finishing the address, uh, and a lot of people really enthused and understood what you were talking about, but what are they not doing? Oh, great question. Um, so it's evolved, you know, like uh, six years ago it would have been they weren't even selling online. And then three years ago they were selling online, but they were very focused on Google. They didn't really know how to make social work, perhaps. Now people are selling online. Their Google presence is really strong. They're still getting a, a grip on. I think social is probably where the biggest opportunity is, actually. Um, so where does that lie? So, well, what should they do? I mean, if you, there's lots of companies listening to this right now, various different sizes, from the small to the medium to the guys who run the big ones. I, they probably all say, sure, we're on Facebook or yeah. we're on Twitter. Is yeah. that not enough? So it's so easy to be a busy fool on social media. And I, I, can, I can tell you've seen my social media accounts. <laughs> so this is a problem for, for us as individuals and, and also for brands. Um, it's very easy for brands to try and tap into what, you know, is it Mother's Day today? Let's try and piggyback on that. Brands find it very different, difficult to sit natively on social media because if you look at a social media feed, it's interactions between friends and family. And then a bank jumps in and tries to sell you a mortgage. You're like, that's so clunky. That just doesn't fit. And I think what this reveals is most brands, because they've been limited to traditional media and the, the rigid formats of, of, the, of that for so many years, they've kind of lost all sense of self. And I think that brands, modern brands are suffering an identity crisis. They know how to advertise on TV and radio and press, but they don't really know who they are, what, what parts of a user, a person's 
personality has been engaged with when they interact with the brand. So they really struggle to know how to speak and what voice well, to use on social. You can probably get more bang for your buck by doing something by accident than you would on spending a multi-million euro campaign. I mean, I always look at the example of Lidl, who got a brilliant social media account, mm-hmm. who turned what was a pretty bad day during a storm into a huge publicity coup for the company. So this is, this is a really good example you give. And I think the way people want to think about this is it's iterative. All the best work we've done, it's not we sat down with a client, we'd never worked with them before, we had the come to Jesus moment and we launched a successful campaign. It's some data brought us to an insight. We launched version one of the campaign. We got pretty good results. We learned more. We learned version two. And by version three or version four, we're winning international awards. So... I, brands shouldn't go hell for leather spend all the budget on iteration one but but know that this is when done correctly um, the profitability of these campaigns should always be getting better over time do you want to tell us the story about how you saved a thousand turkeys <laughs> um, yes yeah, so we were targeted with selling uh, 10,000 turkeys um, for a retail client over Christmas and we managed to get the orders in really early which meant the average transaction value was higher so we didn't sell 10,000 we sold 9,000 but hit the revenue target um, so you know, our story on that is we saved a thousand turkeys so a thousand very happy turkeys somewhere in the country Running today the field saying thankful exactly. that not only time a turkey would ever say thanks to a wolf Wolfgang Digital <laughs> is the company what's the website uh, wolfgangdigital.com uh, d- we're releasing a KPI study really good information there for e-commerce marketers it comes out next week so if they want to co- go to our website and sign up for our newsletter they'll, they'll get that in their inbox in a minute it's out Alan Coleman of Wolfgang Digital thanks very much for joining us on Red Business you're very welcome Jonathan my pleasure The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Apple technology and solutions for your business CompuB.com so there's great cork representation at this particular event as well in the form of Dairy Gold Co-op Superstores and Gillian Foley is the lady behind their e-commerce initiative. Gillian, how are you? Good, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Red Business. When did you embrace the whole e-commerce thing in Dairy Gold? We embraced it in 2013 um, and we launched our fully fully responsive um, e-commerce site in October of 2014. So... When you were looking at this, look, you're a co-op, okay? So in other words, you're, you're rural, you're mm-hmm. largely dealing with farmers, but you have this network of retail stores as well that sells mm-hmm. not quite needle to an anchor, but something similar. Uh, it was a daunting task to put all of that online, I'm guessing. Absolutely. It was a huge task. But I suppose when we when we embarked on the journey and we looked at our physical stores, we have 37 stores across Munster, and we had an online presence in the form of just a catalogue website that was getting significant traffic. And when we spoke to our customers in the stores and did some online research from the, the traffic on the site, we realised that there was an opportunity here and there was a demand for for um, selling online and delivering. So what are you selling online? Is, is, are there specific types of things that are easier to sell online than there would if people rock up and need something immediately from the local co-op? Yeah, I suppose you do have to be a bit more, you know, um, forward planning, I suppose, in terms of farming. Um, I think, you know, farmers now um, are challenged all of the time with with labour, getting labour on farms and they're time sensitive. So, you know, for the ones that are proactive, they're ordering their their fencing equipment a few days in advance of when they plan to do the fencing job. And, you know, we, we have a, a promise that we'll dispatch within three days and we live up to that. So we're seeing more and more farmers embrace it. 
On the general side, you know, we have um, we have an extensive, hugely extensive range of products on our site. But, you know, some of the bulkier products, I suppose, are, are hard for people to transport. So we've seen, you know, a couple of niche markets from, you know, from more urban areas, um, the likes of composters and lawnmowers and products that people don't want to put into the into a car on a, a Saturday morning that they're they're buying online. But you're delivering all of them, right? We're delivering all of those products nationwide. And, and that's the kind of thing that takes Dairy Gold out of Munster and can bring it yeah. anywhere. So are you getting business from outside we, of Cork? We and absolutely are. Right now, 50% of our traffic and revenue is coming from outside. So I suppose people would assume as a, as, as Dairy Gold and, a, and, and an agri-retailer that it's predominantly farming customers. And while we do have a very significant um, farmer customer base and a lot of these farmers are shopping on credit with us, our own our own members. Um, we also, yeah, have very much tapped into a new market outside of Munster. And I suppose our, our you know, the fact that we're the retail division of Dairy Gold, there's a trustability there without any, you know, reviews or anything. People know that we're in existence over 100 years and that they can shop with us um, safely. One of the myths you blew up when you were speaking to the people here was that farmers are all sitting there without blocky phones in their tractors and not able to connect to the internet. They're all on mobile devices. Yeah. They've all got smartphones and they're ordering stuff off them. Yeah, very much so. But we did we did research this before we, you know, before we invested in it. We we did a lot of research. Um, I suppose we're lucky in that we can meet with our farmer members regularly. And we, we understood before we ever invested in this that they were on they were on um smartphones and they were on Twitter, you know, maybe not actively tweeting, but they were on there looking. The same with Dundeal. They were on Dundeal and they were, you know I always call those people lurkers. They're lurking. lurking there. Yeah. They're not necessarily telling anything about yeah. themselves, but they're looking. Absolutely. And I suppose the challenge for us was then to get them to the next stage of that process. And we did that by, you know, um, by really, you know, speaking to them regularly. And I suppose we're lucky we have a close relationship with these, this particular customer base that we're able to go out to regional meetings and, and demonstrate how easy the site is to use. What's the potential for all of this? Because you, you have your network of stores, you have the people who are always going to come into the store and buy what's there. But online, You've got a huge customer base that's available. How many of them do you want to appeal to? Well, look, I suppose for us, this is very much about embracing omni-channel retailing. You know, I think the whole, a lot of the speakers today touched on the serving your customers anywhere at any time. And I think people who don't move into that space, retailers who don't embrace that are going to be left behind. So for us, it's not about all of this new business outside of our own catchment area as much as just serving our customers in the way that they, their expectations now, you know, are. Gillian Foley from Dairy Gold Co-op Superstores. Thanks for talking to us on Red Business. Thank you, Jonathan, for having me. The Red Business Podcast with CompuBee. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuBee.com. Now, finally, here at the Retail Excellence e-commerce conference, I'm going to talk about something that most people just simply cannot get their head around. How does it work? Why do these things have traction? Is this the way that people are going to communicate in the future? And I'm talking about influencers and I'm talking about blogging. And I'm in the company of an award-winning blogger, Louise Cooney, who's a Limerick lady living in Dublin. Louise, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Delighted I'm good. How does this work, this whole thing? And how did you fall into it? So I'm blogging now about three and a half years. I started it purely because I enjoyed it at the time. It was a hobby and I didn't know it could become a career. But in the last couple of years, I suppose brands have caught on to the fact that if you have this dedicated following, this loyal following, who are coming back to see what you're wearing, what products you're using, they can use that as means to advertise. So um, I suppose how you you get good at it is to stay loyal to yourself and to stay true to your brand so that your followers continue to believe you and that you work with brands that you believe in and 
yeah, that, that you can promote that way. Yeah. Look, it's a very complicated thing because some mm-hmm. people obviously do this and nobody pays a blind bit of attention. Mm-hmm. When did you start to notice that people who followed you liked what you were doing? It was a very gradual thing. It was really gradual. Um, at the start, I had a small following, but I think the small following, you know, were interested and now I have a bigger following. Um, How many have you got? Um, I have 118,000 followers, yeah, on Instagram. That's pretty big. Instagram is, like, I mean, again, I'm showing my age. Twitter is my thing. Sure, that was Mm -hmm. was very mid-naughties. Instagram is a different beast, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's a very visual medium. You can't do it without the visual post. Yeah, um, I suppose all all the social platforms are different, but Instagram in particular is more photos, the kind of perfect photo. And now, since they introduced Instagram stories, it's got that more, I suppose, real time thing as well. So they really have kind of they kind of put themselves ahead of everybody else in that way because they've got everything there in one place. One of the big things that has been discussed here today is credibility, making sure that your product and the platform that you're using has credibility. Mm-hmm. And again, that's probably important for you as well in choosing mm-hmm. what you put out there. You just can't put up an air schlop and say it's fantastic. You have to, mm-hmm. you have to, as you say, believe in it. Yeah, well, I don't think you become, I don't think you get to a certain level unless you really care about the quality that you're putting out there, the content you're putting out there. And I don't think people would follow you if they could, you know, if they could see through it that quickly. You know, I really care about the the quality, the amount of content I put out there, the brands that I work with. I want it to be true and I want it to be just like really good quality. So, yeah, you have to you have to care about that stuff. Do you do something else? Is this it? Is this your living at the moment? It is. Yeah. For the last um, year and, and almost a half, I gave up. I was working with Tourism Ireland in the marketing department. And last July, I went full time blogging. Wow, I mean, that, that's a big leap of faith. Mm-hmm. Is there a full-time career in this, or is it just something that's working for you now and you're sticking with it? Well, I, I kind of had set myself up to, at the time it was a risk, but I was it was a calculated risk. I had enough savings if everything went wrong. And I like I mean, I'll, I'll kind of live that way until I know for sure it's going to be around. But it's a new industry, so you don't know. I don't see it going anywhere at the moment, but I think it will evolve and new bloggers will come in and new opportunities will arise. Well, that's like celebrity anyway. I mean, that's how celebrity always works. Some yeah. people are very popular. Then some people have longevity. Yeah. Others are in and out. But your background in marketing presumably is key to all of this because what that means is that you have the basic wherewithal. You're not starting mm-hmm. from a position of a cold start. Mm-hmm. You already know what's important. You know, you, you have a good idea what works. Yeah, I think my interest in fashion and my love for fashion is really what stands to me. And then having the marketing background, it's good because I have a business mind when it comes to it. You know, when I see something I love, I'm not completely like oh my god this is amazing I have to kind of think okay but I have to pay bills to pay and you have to kind of think of it that way as well because if you want to make it your career you have to think of it that way you have to kind of advertise that you're doing this kind of thing if you're a sponsored post you have to say that it's a sponsored post Mm -hmm. has that changed the landscape in the last couple of years um no I think for a while it did and people were they started to lose trust because there was ads there but there some of the ads were always there and they just weren't being disclosed and now they are. So I think it's a good thing. People, you know, And if, people aren't reacting negatively to the fact that it's an ad and they see that it's an ad? I will only ever see a negative for other people. And I haven't really got it myself because I haven't done anything that's not true to myself, really. But that's the only time you see a reaction is if, it, if it's a blatant ad and it's not true to what you usually do. If it sticks out like a sore thumb, then you're going to get people questioning you and... Yeah, that's when you're going to see the backlash. If you had pre- been a fashion journalist or t- a travel journalist in a previous existence, right, so say 20 years mm-hmm. ago, you'd have written your stuff, it would have gone out in the newspaper, pictures would have been there, and if anyone had anything to say, they wouldn't have an opportunity really mm-hmm. to say it to you unless you meet them. Mm-hmm. It's different for you because they can target you pretty much straight into your pocket. Yeah. Does that make it more challenging to be a blogger? Yeah, it does, because you have to, like, 
it looks like I'm on a holidays all the time. And like the fact of the matter is I'm working every time I'm away, you know, and most people who go away don't have that understanding of, or they don't, they, when they're going on holidays, they're on holidays, you're not working, you know, so it's different. But um, yeah, I mean, that was, that sounds like a good job to me going on, going on these trips and, you know, kind of not having to put your name well, yeah, behind you, it. You, you have to put your name behind it. And you have to be truthful to what yeah. it is. What's your message to this group uh, who are working in the world where e-commerce is part of their lives but they need it to be more? I mean, how you, you really embraced this. You, you packed it all in and went with it. Do they need to, does every business need to look at e-commerce now and go, well, what could we be doing online and how could we be connecting with our potential customers? I think so. Online is so huge now and it is like cost saving for, for businesses as well because they don't have the retail space and social media is for the most part free. So it's, you know, it gives you access to an audience that people didn't have access to before. So I definitely think people should be looking at online. Um, yeah. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. Louise Cooney, uh, award-winning blogger. It's nice to be an award-winning blogger. (laughs) Louise, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks a million. My thanks to Retail Excellence and everybody at the e-commerce conference for being so welcoming. Nia Hennessy was the producer. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes and we'll catch you on the next The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com.